Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Living Room Sessions on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Take nothing but a whole lot of heart Iron will and gumption I'll just use What the good Lord gave me So don't call me honey Don't, don't call me baby Songwriter, American Cowboy Magazine has named her one of the top 50 for entertainers in the last 50 years. Please welcome to the show our very special guest and a good friend of mine, Miss Belinda Gale. Hi, Belinda. 
Oh, hi, Gary. I'm, this is so fun. <laughs> well, we I'm are going to be here. Well, we're going to have a good time today. And right now, I tell everybody every week that I have the best seat in the house. So I'm going to take that seat right now and sit back and enjoy the concert, and I'll turn the stage right over to you, Belinda. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, I am so I have to just thank Gary right off the bat for making this um, available to all of us in the live music uh, business because right now in the middle of this pandemic, there just is no work for any of us and no way to get our music out except over vehicles like this and so it was a wonderful brilliant idea of our dear friend Gary to put this together and make this available for all of us so I'm just so so tickled to be on it and to be a part of his lineup and honored because I know that he does not choose um, just randomly he's very careful about who he chooses to be on his show and so I feel very honored to be among many of my friends. I'm Joni Harms, Mary Kay, John Chandler, Kristen Harris. I, I guess I'm, I don't want to miss anybody, but I could go on and on. Andy Hedges, all of these people are dear friends of mine. And um, if you, this is the first show that you've been listening to, I highly recommend that you get on equestrianlegacy.comradio.com and find these other shows and listen to them as well because they're all very talented people, amazing performers and songwriters, and you will have a a lot of fun. I think you'll find yourself, as Gary said, binge listening (laughs) to these shows. So let's just uh, dive right in. This is really fun. Gary asked me to choose a bunch of songs, which I sent to him, and he's got them all uploaded, and just all this technology stuff blows me away, but Gary's got a handle on it because he's a wonderful guy and amazing. And so we're just going to do some songs and uh, talk about some, some songs that I've written. There's a few that I haven't that I just really enjoy performing that were written by dear friends of mine, and I'll be sharing those as well. But uh, the first song that I've chosen to share with you all is one that I wrote um, a few years ago. My husband and I had just um, gone to, to Prescott, Arizona, and we had the house, the first house that we rented because we wanted to rent before we bought because we wanted to make sure we were where we wanted to be. But anyway, we were at the backed right up to Granite Mountain um, National Park or um, I'm not sure whether it was a park or a national forest or what it was called technically, but it was a park area about had about 200 miles of trails on it. And we're already sitting at about 5,000 feet and this mountain just soared up behind us. It was incredible. Covered with granite outcroppings that hence the name Granite Mountain, which made it actually the perfect habitat for mountain lions and has one of the largest mountain lion habitats in the entire country are on this mountain. So there's a lot of mountain lions and bobcats and um, coyotes and snakes and scorpions and all kinds of things, anything that basically could, you know, bite, sting, stick, prick, stick, you know, lived on that mountain. So you have to be very careful. But it was just spectacular. And I was fascinated with the area. It's a very cowboy area, a lot of ranches, historic ranches in that area. So I started checking with the neighbors and the new friends that we were making about the history of the mountain. And it had a very interesting history from the Native Americans to the people that tried to actually put ranches up higher on the mountain. And that didn't work. And 
this really cool stuff. And so I thought I would write a song about it and had a lot of fun gathering the information and writing the song. And as I um, was kind of th- finishing up on the song where it you know, technically should be finished, it just didn't feel finished. And that's not unusual. There are a lot of songwriters run into that. And when we do, a lot of us just put those songs away for a while and just give ourselves a mental break from the song and then pick it up later and, and kind of have with a fresh eyes and a fresh heart, look at it to see what was missing or what we wanted, we needed to do differently on that song. And so I put it away. And um, about, oh, maybe six months later, after I had put it away, I was on tour in Colorado and my husband called me and we were just chatting. We talk every day when I'm away from him and he was getting ready to go into town and get some hay for our horses. And just casually as he was hanging up, he said, oh, by the way, there's smoke coming up from behind Granite Mountain. He said, I think it must be a control burn, which happens a lot in these national forest areas. And he said, I'll tell you more later if I find out it's anything different. Well, so I didn't think too much of it. But the next call I got was not from my husband. It was from a very panicking neighbor wanting to know if we were both on the road, if Bob was home, what was going on, because that fire was not a control burn. It was a wildfire. And the monsoon winds, this was June, so the monsoon winds had driven that fire from the back side of the mountain to the front, our side of the mountain, and was actually driving it down the mountain, which is unusual, straight towards our home. And we have horses and dogs, and, and so they were going to go get our critters for us if we were gone, which was wonderful. But my husband was there, so I knew he was on it. I just couldn't get through to him. Well, the next phone call I got was from my husband, and he was so cute because he said, I don't have time to talk to you right now. Just tell me where your guitars are. There was literally a deputy telling, I could hear him in the back row going, we've got to move it. We've got to move it. And they were, they came to evacuate him. So he was grabbing what he could and throwing it to animals and what he could grab and would fit in the horse trailer and the pickup. And he was out of there with our, with our critters. And, and uh, he, he got all of that done like in less than an hour and he was out of there. So he was amazing. But being the military man that he is, being totally calm the whole time, it's a good thing I wasn't there because I would have been freaking out, but he was totally calm the whole time. He stopped. It took a ton of pictures as well. So we have some great pictures of the fire and the slurry planes. And I mean, it was pretty incredible. Um, but to make a long story longer, I guess, um, the fire crew actually, the hot shots cut a big swath right behind our house. And actually the fire burned right up to that, uh, that swath and stopped it. They stopped it right there. So they saved our home. They saved that entire neighborhood in that valley from burning. So it was just an, an incredible story of, of their valor and their the work that they do. And, and so about three days later, they had it mostly contained, but not well enough that they were letting people back in yet. And we had to, um, I came home from my trip, but I had to turn right around and leave for Texas. And my husband and I got permission to be escorted in by a deputy because I needed to get more CDs and a couple of things from the house to head out to Texas. And as we pulled up, there was a whole bunch of firefighters sitting on the, on the porch. And as we pulled up, they all jumped up like kids with their hands caught in the cookie jar when they realized the owners of the home had just pulled up. It was so cute and apologizing. Of course, we thanked them profusely for saving our home and, you know, it was fine to make themselves at home and we got what we needed and we left and, and they were so kind and visited so sweetly with us. And, and um, my husband and I remarked as we drove away that they just seemed so young to be doing such a dangerous work. They seemed like kids. And, uh, and we were so grateful to have been able to meet them and actually shake their hand and thank them for saving our home. 
And so I was in uh, headed straight out for Texas, and it was about 10 days later. I got a call from my husband again, um, our daily call, and I could tell something was wrong, and I wasn't sure whether it was kids or animals or what was going on. And so I finally said, honey, I know something's wrong. Please, you know, what is it? He said, well, I don't even know how to tell you this, but remember those firefighters that we met on our porch? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I know you don't watch the news, so I know you don't know this, but they were just killed in the fire in Yarnell, which is about 40 minutes from us. Uh, I mean, it was like someone just punched me in the gut. I was just devastated, as was our entire community. And it was the Granite Mountain hotshots. That's who we had met on our porch, and that's who had perished in that fire. And it was just so sad. And after we hung up and I just sat on my bed, and was just trying to take that in and wrap my brain around what I had just heard. And my song suddenly came back to my mind and I realized, you know what, I need to add something to that song that is a tribute to these, to these people, these first responders, these people that put their life on the line for us, for us, for our lives, for our things. We just, they're so undervalued and underappreciated and underpraised. And so I um, said, I pulled my song back out. I had it on my laptop and I wrote a bridge to the song that is just a nod to them, just an acknowledgement of their sacrifice and their work. And it's not morbid at all. So it's not going to be a downer, um, but it's just, I dedicated my album and this song to the Granite Mountain Hotshots. And I really um, appreciate being able to perform this song wherever I go around the country and internationally to keep their memory alive. So as long as I am alive and singing this song, the Granite Mountain Hotshots will never be forgotten. And so um, let me just share with you now the song Granite Mountain. It rises up from the valley floor covered with rocks and so much more lurk between the junipers and boulders. Mountain lion, prickly pear, there is danger, beware. And don't forget to look back over your shoulder. in the shadow The beauty it will mesmerize But don't forget those wary eyes Always creeping there in the hollows Granite Mountain Oh, the silhouette we know so well Granite Mountain Sometimes you are here Straddle life between the old and the new way. Some say golden cattle drew them all. We know the mountain threw them off. Nothing left but the wild strain. 
to keeping the memory of our Granite Mountain Hotshots alive. Um, the next song that I wanted to share with you all um, has a really cool story behind it, too. And I was actually had a quite a long stint of performing time in at Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And I don't know if you all have ever been to Silver Dollar City, but it is the, a way cool place to go visit. And just so much easily you could spend a couple of days there. Lots of music, lots of things to do, and a really beautiful part of the country. And I was there for um, almost two months on this particular stint. And so I got to really know a lot of the other performers on park at that point and other people that were there. And one gentleman that I got to know really well um, is a gentleman by the name of Fred Wool, W-H-O-E-L. I always mess up the pronunciation of his name, but <laughs> I never know how to say it correctly, but great guy, Fred. And he was born and raised in the area, actually right down on the Arkansas border. And as we got to know, and he was on park demonstrating, working with um, with Mustangs and training them and had several Mustangs there and would put on a demonstration every day. And 
So as we got to know each other, he recommended, he said that he would love on our day off, we had two days off a week. He said, how about if I take you and a couple of the other people here on the park and we go for a ride on a beautiful area that I love called the Upper Buffalo River? And I was game for that. Well, my husband was getting ready to come back and spend the last couple of weeks with me. And I said, well, why don't we wait until my hubby gets back and then he can go as well. And he was there. Everybody was totally for waiting. So we did. So on our days off, we drove over to Fred's house and he loaded us all up on the horse trailer and hauled us out to the upper Buffalo River. And it was just a spectacular area that was so unexpected for me. I mean, everything in the Midwest seems so flat, maybe some rolling hills, but that's it. But there was, I mean, it was just, you know, it's in the Ozark Mountains. So that, you know, it, it just tells you a lot if you've ever been to the Ozarks. So it was just gorgeous. And the trail was amazing and along the river and just all the sights that we saw. And as we're riding along, there's all these cabins that are kind of broken down. And we, you know, got out and looked at a few of them. And and um, our destination was a cabin called Granny's Cabin. And so we're like, okay, so what's the story behind all of this, Fred? So he told us that he grew up there, like I said, and um, he played on that area. And all of this area were homesteads that had been there since the 1800s. And so all this area were all these little homesteads and little farms that were all through this whole area. And in the, in the 70s, the government had decided to come in and turn this back into a wilderness area to take it back. And they went through and started buying up all of these little little homesteads and farms uh, to turn it back into a, a wilderness area. And so that's where all these cabins that we saw. And the ladies' cabin that we were headed to was a special friend of Fred's because dad used to buy cattle from her all the time. And Fred had a very special memory of her because he said when his dad would be out looking at the cattle and figuring out which one he was going to purchase, he and Granny would sit on her front porch, and she had an amazing vista from her front porch of the valley below. It was just gorgeous. And he said we would sit on her front porch in these rocking chairs, and he was just a kid, you know, nine, ten years old, and she'd go get him a cup of coffee, and she would sit there and talk to him like he was an adult. And he said he felt so grown up and so valued by Granny that she was incredibly special to him. Well, when the government came in and they were buying up all these homesteads, Granny really dug her heels in, and she was not going to leave. She was not going to sell. She was, you know, way up there in age, and she was born and raised in that cabin, and there was, she just was not going to leave. She refused. Well, because she was so elderly, the government decided to not fight her over this, and they would just work it out that she could stay there until she passed, and then it would go to, to, the, to the park, and you know they drew up all the paperwork, and the family was good with it. Everybody was good with it, and I like to tell the story that they, they only made one huge mistake in all of this is they underestimated how hardy and healthy Granny really was, and she was living years. They figured she had maybe a year or two left in her, but like four or five years down the road, she's still going strong. And so they just got antsy about her not being there. And they really wanted her gone, but they had agreed that they wouldn't, you know, make her leave. So what they did instead was they made it 
impossible for her to stay. And what I mean by that is they started taking things away from her that she could have at her ranch, um, at her little farm. First thing they did was take away all of her animals that, you know, she could not have any animals. So her, I mean, even down to a dog and a cat, she could not have. And she still stayed. And then they said that uh, she couldn't have a garden or, or any of that. So she couldn't eat, so they took that away from her and so then that made it more difficult and what really did it is when they said she could no longer burn a fire in her fireplace um she can live there but she can't burn this in her fireplace well that was it her children knew that she couldn't stay there and so they came and and they moved her off and off of the land and she you know kicking and screaming she was just devastated she did not want to leave and what she hadn't told anybody um, which was made it even more sad is that she had been diagnosed with cancer and she hadn't even told her family yet. And so she literally died within just weeks after being moved off the mountain, which was terribly sad. And so we he kind of, um, we had ridden out to her cabin while he was telling all these stories to us, had lunch on her porch and he had, we were basically finished up the story and about what I just told you as we were getting ready to leave and ride back. And so we mounted up and, and I have to tell you the vista off that porch was incredible because there were all these sweet gum trees with, and it was fall. So the leaves were all yellow and our horses were out hobbled and grazing out on the little pasture area that was right in front of the house still. And while we're eating lunch and every time the wind would blow, all these leaves would come pouring out of the trees. It looked like it was raining golden leaves or snowing gold over on top of the horses it was I, it was just exquisite um so anyway we mounted up got our horses gathered mounted up and we're headed back and as we were headed back he said um he goes well the, he said there is an upside to this story he said because after granny had passed and just a couple years after granny had passed the developers discovered this whole area and when they did, they decided to turn all these, they bought all the land up around this forest and they turned it all into ranchettes. And so if this had not been turned into a national forest and if people like Granny and other people that really didn't want to leave had not sacrificed their land to this park, we would not be able to ride it today and enjoy it. It would all be private land with no way to ride our horses out here. So, and he said, really, the, the sacrifice that all those people made was really kind of a gift to the rest of us. And so as a songwriter, that whole concept just really struck a chord in my heart. And I, and I just became really quiet the rest of the way home. And I started mulling this song over in my head, writing about this and capturing this whole thing. And I think I had this song completely blocked out in my head by the time we got back to the horse trailer. And I could hardly wait to get home and grab a piece of paper and start working on this song. And, and so I really, and I, the people that have been to this area, the Upper Buffalo area, when they hear this song, they come up to me after the show and say, I've captured it perfectly. So I hope that the imagery in this song takes takes you on a trail ride along the buffalo. Oh, 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 oh,
do yourself a favor and do it. That Upper Buffalo um, National Forest is just a wilderness, I think they call it, is just incredible. Um, well, I didn't say too much about my background at the beginning because I was kind of waiting for this this song because uh, this is really kind of a, a reflection of my childhood in, in many ways. And um, I was very fortunate to be raised on cattle ranches in Nevada and California growing up and spent my entire childhood on ranches. And there's just a, a wonderful way to grow up as a child. You just, you learn so much without realizing that you're learning hard work, the value of that, integrity, honesty, teamwork, the value of family, just, you know, working together side by side. Everybody has a job, everybody has responsibilities, and we all depend on each other when, when you're a family that's trying to run a ranch. And so it just is a, an amazing way to grow up. And I remember even as a small child being so impressed with the women in ranching. And, and I don't think it was because I was a girl myself, but I think it was because it struck me that when we would, we would be out working and mom would be right there with us, you know, building the fence or doing whatever needed to be done, you know, work, whatever work needed to be done, mom was there with us. We were all working together. But then you know, when dad is at night, he's working on books or he's doing whatever in the evenings, mom is washing clothes and cooking and you know working just as hard once we got home as she was when we were out on the ranch and every every ranch woman I've ever known and knew it growing up was the same way and they most of them are just so all of them actually that I have ever known are so just dedicated to that lifestyle and love it so much and want so much for their children to get everything they can out of it and wish that for their children to keep that legacy going for their children. And I was thinking about that one time when I was on a long drive by myself and the idea for this song just started rolling around in my head that I really wanted to write a song that was a tribute to these women and especially the lady that had raised my dad she was had homesteaded her own ranch when she was 20 years old at the turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s and women just didn't do that at that time so she was a very um, an amazing colorful woman and we actually part of our ranching in, in the california area was moving to her ranch to take care of her and her ranch when she was quite elderly so i got to know her as an elderly woman and she was just as spunky even though she was in dementia she was just as spunky and amazing as she was then and and she had quite a colorful life, and she was um, married twice. Her first husband is like we, was rumored to be buried underneath their homestead porch, <laughs> which we don't talk about very much. But um, and her second husband was uh, from the valley, and he was more of a city guy. And I think he saw her with her ranch and her cattle, and thought he'd be a big cattle baron, and he would be you know wealthy. And uh, he should have realized that that wasn't the way life was going to be when they're on their honeymoon, they moved cattle. And so that was their honeymoon. So he didn't last very long. The work was just too hard and he just didn't want to do it. So he left and she just stayed single the rest of her life. She raised my dad and uh, he, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful woman. So I wrote this song as a tribute to all of these women. So there's a little piece and parcel of all these different women that impacted me, helped shape me into the woman that I am today. And so this is really my tribute song to the women of my childhood. And it's called She is a Cowgirl. She takes off her gloves her shacks and her spurs, hangs them up each on their pegs. 
tipped into an evening of glittering stars Slapped her dusty old hat on her leg She's a cowgirl Generations of life handed down Just like her mother and her mother before her She steadfastly standing her ground Cause she Another before her, yet a smile plays on her pretty face. In hints of leather, she's strong and she's lean, yet moves with a smooth, supple grace. She is a cowgirl, generations of life handed down. Just like her mother and her mother before her, she steadfastly standing her. Cause she is a cowgirl to this life and this land she is found. He came from the city, blew in like the wind. When ranch life grew rough, he blew out again. But the treasure God gave them, she clung to her breast. A small baby girl, daughter. And the land that's wrapped round their souls When she sees that passion in the eyes of her daughter Knows for her she must never let go She's a cowgirl Generations of life handed down Just like her mother and her mother before her She steadfastly stand in her ground Cause she is a cowgirl to this life and this land she is bound. She is a cowgirl, she'll do what she has to do. That brings back a lot of memories just listening to that song of the ladies that uh, that I just loved so much growing up. So that's so fun. I just um, living in that area and the, just the, all this uh, ranch that I grew up on there, and uh, then later lived, moved, kind of moved down into the valley as an adult. Um, is the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, and it is just a um, a gorgeous area. That's where Sequoia National Park is and Yosemite National Park. It's just amazing. And, and you know, contrary to what people think, it's most of California is very rural, um, with farmers and ranchers. And um, there's you know there's the big cities that all are along the coastline, and a few of them are through the middle of the of the state. But most of the state is very rural, and that's what this area is. And 
Um, my late husband's family actually had homesteaded land high up in the Sierra Nevada mountains at about 8,000 feet and in an area called Horse Corral Meadow was the name of their ranch up there. And it was actually completely surrounded by Kings and Sequoia National Park. And so uh, when we were married and, and our kids came along and we um, would take them camping up there, which he grew up camping, that the family actually ran cattle up there still. They've been running that up there since the 1800s. And they also had created like a little family camp area where you, you know, you picked out a spot. They had run electricity down to it and some water down to it, but you picked out a spot and then that was your spot permanently to camp in. And so we would go up there with our children all the time and go camping. And um, up in the cabin where my husband's Aunt Betty and, um, um, oh, my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot his uncle's name. Oh, it's been too long. He's been gone too long. But they, Uncle Lewis, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. But Aunt Betty and Uncle Lewis were always lived up in the cabin, and Aunt Betty was famous for her pies famous for her pies. And so we were camping with her children one time and Aunt Betty came down with the with a pie in hand. And by the time we saw her coming and by the time she got to the camp area, we were sitting at the picnic table with forks in hand and not even any plates because we just, we knew it would, there would be nothing left. So we just ate it right out of the pan while she was sitting there and it was gone and she took her pan home with her. <laughs> um, but while she was there, she was, you know, we could tell that she was troubled about something. And she said that every, you know, couple of years, the park service would come and do a survey they would resurvey the ranch their private land as opposed to the to the government land and every year they would move the boundary markers in just a little bit and she said at first she didn't she didn't think too much about it because she's like oh well you know this is what it is but it had just gotten they were starting to move it in by bigger leaps and bounds and now it was like tiny it was like inside the meadow instead of miles past it like it used to be and so she was starting to panic that they were going to try to take the whole thing away from them and and as she when she left and we were just thinking about how sad that was because not only did the family camp there but friends came up and got out of the hot 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 valley heat into the cool mountain air um, and during the summer, also um, young cowboys would come up and learn how to cowboy on the ranch um, a lot. They, they donated the ranch for functions, for people to raise money, and for people to have getaways with, with at-risk kids. I mean, it was just a wonderful place that would all be lost if the government just kind of took it and turned it into like just a camp area. And so we thought that would be sad. So we were sitting around the campfire, and I got um, an idea for this song. And so we started writing down all of our memories and writing down all of my memories and my impressions and my, my husband's, my late husband's impressions of, the, of it. And we incorporated it all into this song, and we just simply called the song Horse Corral Meadow.
homestead property was. So that was pretty fun. So Horse Corral Meadow is to this day, of course, we've lost Aunt Betty Byer. She died in her 90s. Um, and Uncle Lewis is also in his 90s. And he died, and their grandson is now running cattle on that land. So um, if you're in uh, the Sequoia National Park area and you drive up to Horse Corral Meadow, feel free to go in there. Justin, her grandson, is running the place and just tell him Belinda sent you and he'll show you around. I have friends who've done it. So it's a pretty cool place. Um, well, this next song is um, a fun one. I wrote it for my, my most recent album, and I was looking for a, a, some kind of story that would be fun to have a little bit of humor in my album, and I remembered an incident from my childhood, um, actually with an April Fool's trick that my sisters and I had played on our mother, and um, and I don't know if you are a person like my mom or you maybe know a person like my mother, but my mom was the kind of woman who you just didn't interact with her until she'd had her first cup of coffee in the morning. I mean, she didn't talk to her. You didn't get in her way because she needed that first cup of coffee and then she was fine. But before that first cup of coffee, it was like poking the bear to try to talk to her. So, well, we, we kind of messed with her first cup of coffee and, and it did not bode well for us. It was a painful experience for we girls. And, so I thought that would be a fun story to write about, but I wanted it Western. I wanted it more cowboy. So I took a little license with a little creative license and turned it from three little girls in the kitchen with their mama to um, some cowboys in the bunkhouse with their, with their foreman, with their boss. And um, I just call it, don't talk to Jake till it's first cup. <laughs> Like waking up a bear in the middle of a winter's sleep. No, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. At least not if your head intact you would like to keep. Now Jake, he is a mighty fine man, hard working, fair and true. If you needed it, you know he'd give the shirt off his back to you. But now in pre-dawn light, if you see him without a cup of coffee in his hand, just turn and walk away if on your feet you'd like to stand. That poor little greenhorn kid unwound just like a sprocket as he walked right up to Jake with both hands stuck deep in his pocket. He fired off three questions as Jake was pulling on his boots. Him flying backwards like a calf out of the shoe. Don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. It's like waking up a bear in the middle of a winter's sleep. No, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. At least not if your head intact, you would like to see. Now, Jake, he likes his coffee real sweet, unlike most cowboy style. He pins spoonfuls, three, four, five, made us wink and smile. One April Fool's, we came up with a plan we thought was clever. But when cowboys go to thinking, it can be a risky endeavor. We swap the sugar for the salt when Jake sounds sleeping. You think that we'd have known by now a whirlwind we'd be reaping? Oh, we was grinning ear to ear as Jake loaded up his java. But frozen terrors he 
erupted like molten spew and lava. Yeah, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. It's like waking up a bear in the middle of a winter's sleep. No, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. At least not if your head intact you would like to keep. Now the rest gets kind of fuzzy, but there was blood and bones cracking. When we came to, that bunkhouse sure had suffered a ransacking. But it looked good compared to us, all bloodied, bruised, and broken. We sure enough picked the wrong cowboy for all our practical choking. We try to forget that fateful day, though we know Jake felt pretty bad. Gosh, he was more surprised than us when he went raving mad. It's legend round the bunkhouse. Greenhorn's asking for the story. None of us ever messed with Jake till his first cup of coffee. Yeah, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. It's like waking up a bear in the middle of a winter's sleep. No, don't talk to Jake till his first cup of coffee. At least not if your head intact you would like to keep. That greenhorn kid, he pulled up stakes and lamps. Said this life is too rough. And Jake, well, he always tastes the sugar now before he puts it in his coffee. Yeah, like we'd ever try that stunt again. brings back memories of the of the little thing that we got after that incident. <laughs> My mama was not happy. <laughs> and rumor has it that Gary Holt and my mama have that in common. <laughs> so, did not know that about Gary. <laughs> so don't talk to Gary in the morning. If he doesn't answer you first thing in the morning when you call him, it's because he hasn't had his coffee yet. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I love this music in this genre. I love the stories of this genre. It's just so much fun. Um, and I've been doing this now for 25 years. I've been singing Western music. And uh, it's probably, it's the best decision I ever made was get, getting into Western music. And I had was very fortunate the first year that I got it, decided to go Western. I was singing country, what I thought was country Western music. I was really just singing country music before. And I learned the, what the Western genre was. And I learned that it was really much closer to my values and my morals and, and who I was as a person. So I switched gears and I've never looked back. And I had this amazing opportunity the first year that I was performing Western music. I had very few gigs. And I was hooked up with a group called Sons of the San Joaquin. And if you're not familiar with them, please Google them. They're incredible. They're quite up in age now and, and health issues. And so they're not performing anymore. But, oh, amazing, amazing people. Just amazing men as well as incredible performers and songwriters. And they took me under their wing and hauled me all over the Western United States. And I got to do a duet with Jack Hanna every night and um, got to meet a lot of people, open a lot of doors for me. So it just really was a, a boon for my career to get me jump started. 
and I will forever be grateful to these men. And Jack, at one point, um, we were sitting in the green room, and he handed me a piece of paper, and he said, here, Belinda, I've written a song for you. And at that point, Jack was already being lauded as the Bob Nolan of our of our time, because he's just such a prolific and wonderful songwriter. And he said, he so he, I read these lyrics, and it was this really cute poem, and and he said, that's a song I've written, written for you to sing. And so I asked him for the music, and he said, well, I have a melody in mind, but I want to see what you come up with. I'd like to co-write this with you. Well, I was floored, you know, to have someone of his caliber to want to co-write with me. So, and I was so excited and so terrified at the same time because um, I was just was venturing into songwriting at that, at that point. And so, of course, I jumped on it on the opportunity. I was thrilled to be able to do it. And it's been about a week. And I think that's pretty much all I did for a solid week was work on this little song. And, and it's um, a really cute song. He calls it his autobiography because he had retired from his profession and, and gotten, gotten full-time into cowboying with his buddies. And so I always like to dedicate this song to all these retired men that are in the audience. Um, when I'm singing this song, I love to dedicate it to their wives. <laughs> and so this is just a cute little song called He's Being a Kid Again. I have a spouse, his name is Bill. He's a real fine man, of course. Quit his day job just last month and bought himself a horse. He swaggered in the house, I knew I'd just run out of luck. He gone and bought him a three-horse trailer to match his diesel truck. He's been kid again. I believe I'm in a fix. He's added a saddle and a couple of ropes, and he's acting like Tom Mix. Each night when I get home from work, he's a phoning all his pals. They're often gone to hammerstrums to rope those stupid to town and it made me bowed half sore. He'd bought him a pair of them high-heeled boots that made him six foot four. He's dressed up like a million bucks. He looks so neat and clean. Said, come on, let's go tonight and see the sons of the San Joaquin. Well, who in the heck are they? She started out to say. And I could tell by the look in his eye he was roped in all the Bought me a 
pair of Jeremiah wasp furs. Most set us back a little bit, but oh, are they gorgeous. And Bill is so proud of his new Ernie Morris reins, all hand-tooled and braided. He looks just beautiful with his Al Gould saddle. Yep, all he needs now is a Greg Ward horse. <laughs> oh, that song always makes me smile. It, it was so cute because it, Jack was just so tickled with it because a lot of the people's names and the things, imagery in that song were actually things that he did that his wife would get so upset about. So that was such a fun song to be a part of. Um, and one of the things that I really love about this genre of music is it's, I mean, there's a lot of us that are writing, you know, new music and it's new and vibrant and vital and evolving as all music genres should do. But we also are very careful to keep the old songs alive there, the heritage alive as well with our shows. It's a combination of our new things, always reaching back and doing the older things that really are the, the foundational songs to this genre of music. And this next one is one of them. And um, I love, I do it acapella and I really love doing songs that way because a lot of when the cowboys out on the on the prairie when they're on these cattle drives there were no musical instruments maybe a harmonica um that i mean it was just too rough of a life musical instruments didn't survive and so a lot of the singing was a cappella, and they would sing to the cattle at night to keep them calm as they rode night herd and so this is just a beautiful old song and it's just done in the old cowboy style a cappella, and it's the song shenandoah Oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you away, rolling river. Oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you. Seven long years since I last saw you. Cross. 
across the wide Missouri. song i don't care who's singing it it just is a gorgeous gorgeous song and so i'm so happy to be able to share that one with you um when i first got started singing western music 25 years ago there weren't a lot of women singing western music and there weren't a lot of women songs (laughs) so the the handful of women that were singing western music started we had to start writing our own songs that were from a woman's perspective and about women and there was a song that um, a lady that I ran across, her name is Jamie Moore, and she had uh, several songs that I have recorded that she has written that I just fell in love with. She just had such a beautiful handle on women in the West. And she had uh, this one song, I was getting ready to um, to record it, and um, I had learned it, and she was tickled that I was recording it. And I was sitting in a, in a tiny little airport um, all by myself. There wasn't even anybody behind the ticket counter. And I was just kind of, I had gotten there way early for my, my change of planes. And I was thinking about this song and the behind it and the story of it. And gosh, I wonder how this came to be, this story, and you know what might have been the backstory of this song. And this little poem started ro- rolling around in my mind. And so I actually wrote this little poem, which I recite when I perform this song live and to set up this song and so I really I really enjoy this and any woman who has been raised on the land really anybody who's been raised on the land but especially women who've been raised on the land this really touches their heart and resonates with them and so I hope you enjoy this song and it's called She Belongs to the Land. Her eyes misted over as she thought of her pa and that fine spring morning as he rode across the draw He turned and he waved as he passed out of view. For the first time, he had left her in charge. And she had made him proud, too. See, he had wanted a son on the day she was born, but the Lord took her ma, leaving her and her pa alone. But he had raised her well. And how she loved that man and the horses and the cattle, but most of all, the land. Different life to learn 
that ladies know to learn to be a wife. He wanted something better for the daughter that he loved, but she missed the earth beneath her. She missed the Milky Way above. She belongs to the land. She knows these hills like the back of her hand. Just like her old man. She belongs to the land. When they read his will, her hands began to shake. He left
I was like, no, Gary, I don't want songwriting credit for this. I just hear it, that melody in my head when I sing, when that verse comes up. And with your permission, I would like to sing it that way. If you would rather I didn't, I'll stick with the with the, the straight version. He goes, no, no, go ahead. I'm okay with that. So I did. And I just love this song. I love singing it. And I felt so validated because his wife did ultimately, Jean did ultimately record this. And she didn't record the original version. She recorded my version with the, the bridge in there. So I, I felt like that he that Gary really did like my version of it. And so I was just so pleased with it. Anyway, I love this song. I love singing it live. And I hope you enjoy Fair Blows the Wind. Across these white plains Dear Lord, how he misses sweet rose The love of his life From fair Dublin town This bonny young lass he loves so He's lonesome tonight Out on the long trail Thinking of home and sweet rose Cattle are resting, the moon's sinking low, but his mind is on Ireland and Rose. Singing Irish Rose, my sweet Irish Rose, across the ocean of blue. Fair blows the wind across these white plains, blowing my love back to you. Across these white plains Thousands of miles From sweet rose She cried when he left I'd be waiting for you Then she kissed him And gave him a rose Singing Irish rose My sweet Irish rose Across the ocean of blue Fair blows the wind across these white plains, blowing my love back to you. Fair blows the wind across these white plains, he's thinking tonight of sweet rose. The love of his life from fair Dublin town, this bonny young
thank you, Jean and Gary, for a gorgeous song and letting me be the first one to record it. Um, so I love I love performing that song live as well. Um, for those of you who know me, know this, those of you who may not be familiar with me, though I am I'm a woman of faith, and uh, my my faith is very important to me and a very crucial part of my life. I feel like the Lord led me into this path of us. I never aspired to be a, a professional singer. I never aspired to a career, but the doors just opened and I walked through them. And I mean, it has been an amazing, wonderful 25 year journey um, that I just feel incredibly blessed to have been able to, to participate in. And some of the most amazing and beautiful friendships in my life, my my husband that I'm married to now after my husband had died and I remarried a few, uh, 10 years ago now, um, just all came to me through this music. And just it has just been such a blessing and fed so many wonderful things and wonderful friends and opportunities and, and, and experiences into my life. I just am so grateful. And so always in my show, I do include a gospel song because I do acknowledge that um, – that I'm just a steward of the gift of music that the Lord placed into my care, that um, I didn't come up with this voice. The Lord gave it to me. I just get to use it. And so I always like to give um, credit where credit is due, and, and that is to my Lord and Savior, who, who not only led me down this path that sustains me and cares for me all the time, and so I'm just so grateful for that. And this is a really beautiful gospel song that I wanted to share with you all. That's a Stuart Hamblin song that I learned at the knee of Wesley Tuttle, who's um, gone on to be with the Lord. But his wife is, is in her 90s, and she's still like a mother to me. And, and they took me under their wing. And um, just the, the relationship just became much like a, a child. I was like their daughter. And so this song always evokes the image of learning this song, sitting on the floor with my guitar and him in his, his chair with his guitar, teaching me this Stuart Hamblin song that I just love. And even though it was written in the 50s, I think it is very timely for our time today. So I hope you enjoy. Until then. Oh 
Belinda, I had no idea your mother and I had so much in common. I don't don't know that she drank 12 cups of coffee a day, though, Gary. That I mean, that's that's a borderline addiction. I'm sorry, buddy, but (laughs) I may I may overdo it just a little bit. I may overdo it just a little bit. But anyway, this has been a fantastic show. Thank you so much for doing this. 
Oh, and, Gary, um, thank you for the opportunity. This is just wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. You know, right now with the uh, COVID-19 going around, so many people have been, the gigs have been canceled. And so a great mm-hmm. way to support the performers is to go to their websites or go to digital downloads and to buy their music. It's not going to last forever, but it is going to be for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how can we find your music? Oh, I have my latest album is on iTunes. I'm like, you know, they're dragging me kicking and screaming into the 21st digital century. So I'm still working (laughs) on getting the rest of my stuff up on digital stuff. So I'm so intimidated by all of that. But my latest, my Granite Mountain album is up on iTunes. The rest of it you can get from me. I do have a few things on CD Baby. I have to get that updated as well. But you can get anything um, from me on my website, Belinda Gale Sings. Dot com. So Belinda Gale sings with an S dot com. And uh, you can order my, my CDs through that website. So, yeah, and I would appreciate the support, of course, yeah, because I like all of all live music um, artists, like every all of my gigs except uh, one in the fall that's been canceled. All of my gigs for wow. the entire season were canceled. So it's, um, yeah, I thought, we, I thought I had one in August, but the, 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 the city was um, decided to impose a whole bunch of extra precautions that made it pretty much impossible for them to have the event so they had to finally cancel it so you know you just got to do what you got to do but we appreciate these kind of opportunities to at least get out there and perform and connect with people so thank you again so much for, for providing this for us Gary you're just a gem well you are so welcome and so visit com, purchase her music and uh, you can get the latest album on iTunes that's Granite Mountain. And, uh, Blenda, you yes. have been absolutely marvelous. You have kind of wrapped up season one for the Living Room Sessions. Oh, well, yeah. I'm happy to book you. Didn't Joni kick it off? So you have girls that book Joni. into your, your first season. <laughs> I can't think of anything better than to have the women kicking it off and ending the thing. So we're going to take a, we're going to take a little break for about six weeks from the living room sessions. And then we'll come back in August with season two. But uh, this has been so much fun listening to your stories and, and finding about finding out about how so many of these songs have been written. And uh, yeah. we've just loved, we've, loved having you with us today want to remind folks that they can uh, join us every thursday for the campfire cafe and saddle up america that all starts at noon with my co-host bobby jean bell so we'll be back all throughout this break that we're going to take from the living room sessions but you can always go back and listen to the campfire cafe and saddle up america live and then all of the shows are archived and we will have the Living Room Sessions Season 1 posted on our website, so you can go back and just binge listen if you want to, to all these great artists that have been such a blessing to me to have on Season 1 of the Living Room Sessions. Blenda, thank you again so much. You're welcome, sir. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Everybody be safe out there. All right. We're going to close the show out today with another of Blenda's great songs. It's called Cowboy Code. We'll see you back in August on the live version of the Living Room Session. And be sure to look for Season 1 on our website, equestrianlegacy.net. Thanks so much for listening. Many a fair young cowgirl has gone through life alone Waiting on some sweet words 
How the good men were all gone They just didn't understand What I have always known To get yourself a cowboy You've got to know The cowboy code Well, you can't tell if he likes you You can't tell if he don't Maybe he will dance with you And maybe he just won't But if he kinda hangs around And stands there pigeon-toed He wants to be your partner It's part of his cowboy code The cowboy code Cause you didn't know about the cowboy code. 